Good morning, church. Today we're going to be talking about God, our healer. And if you guys could turn in your Bibles, we're going to be kind of all over the place. And in our last point, uh, we're going to be in Mark chapter 2. So that's going to be on point number four. That's going to be at the end. Um, There's going to be a lot of scriptures I'm going to run through. So um, please just kind of hang out for a little bit, I guess. Um, Sometimes the Christmas season can be hard for a lot of people, right? Where there is pain, where there's suffering and Man, sometimes joy, peace, love, and hope, it's, it's, sometimes it's difficult to, to really enjoy that during this season. A lot of families experience loss, hurt, and even sometimes during the Christmas season, there's pain and there's suffering in our world. And so this morning, the Lord has really put it on my heart to preach on healing, on God being our healer. And uh, for those of you guys that are taking notes, I have four points for, for us this morning. Desperate, point number one, desperate and, desperate and willing to dig. Point number two, the hook, hindrances to healing. Point number three, healing can be a process. Point number four, I can help. I can help. So um, like I shared with you guys this morning, if you guys could please place Mark, Mark chapter 2, um, and then I'm going to be paraphrasing a lot of these scriptures just because we don't have the time to, to go over all of them. Um, point number one, desperate and willing to dig. I'm sorry if these points um, seem kind of ambiguous. In John chapter 5, there is this great healing at the pool of Bethesda. And there was a man there who was an invalid for 38 years. And in verse 6, it says, when Jesus saw him lying there, he knew that he had already been there for a long time. And then he asks him this question, do you want to be what? Healed. Do you want to be healed? And you might be thinking, what kind of a question is that? For 38 years, Jesus is asking this basic question. And then the sick man answered him, sir, I have no one to put me into the pool, but when the water is stirred up and when I'm, while I'm going to another, someone steps down before me. And Jesus said to him, get up, take up your bed and walk. And at once this man was healed. And he took up his bed and walked. And he thought the healing was supposed to happen in this pool, but it was clear that it wasn't. It was clear that true healing can only be found in God. Can I get an amen? And it was clear that he was very serious about his healing, that he was there for a long time. And church, a lot of this message that I'm going to be sharing with you guys on healing, it's coming from my heart personally, in my journey, and the things that God has brought me through. Seven years to this month, God allowed deep hurt in my life, deep pain, deep suffering, trial and tribulation, the nights of heartache. And it was so clear that this year, this past summer, when all of this was coming to an end, I had a choice. I had a choice. How this trial, how this tribulation, how this suffering, how is this going to shape me? And it might be a a basic question. Do you want to be healed? Then I had to ask that question for myself. Do I want to be healed? 
In this season of my life, I have seen God do such an amazing work through the pain, through the suffering, through the heartache, and I wouldn't trade it for the world. And I pray that this is an encouragement to you. And I wanted healing to happen in my heart so bad. Have you guys ever been there? Where it's truly those dark nights of the soul and you're praying, and and there's tears in your Bible, and you're asking God, when will this suffering end? How how quickly can the suffering, how quickly can you bring upon this healing? I'll never forget, my friends, the the people in my life, they would ask me, it feels like, how are you doing? And there's some that I would say, I'm doing okay, and then there's someone like, if you want the honest answer, it's like a two out of ten. You guys been there? How you doing? One out of ten, two out of ten, where you're barely hanging on to life? And church, I don't know what you brought this morning, but I want you to know that we have a God in heaven who is the great physician who wants to heal you, who wants to heal the broken and save the lost and meet us in those places. God healing me, comforting me, guiding me, and more importantly, on this side of healing, to grow me and make me strong. He wants to do that with you. So in this opening point, where does this healing start? Desperate and willing to dig. The great theologian from Second Service, Tara Hale, posted this on her Facebook. Sometimes you have to dig and dig, and keep on keeping on. There are seasons like that where sometimes you just got to keep digging. And this opening point, when it comes to healing, are you willing to dig? Are you desperate for healing? Are you, are, are you willing to allow God to go deep into those areas of hurt where only you know about and say, Lord, I give this to you. So when I was in high school, um, coming from, let's lighten the mood here a little bit. When I was in high school, coming from a Filipino family, we, don't get a, we didn't get allowance. How many of you guys got allowance growing up doing chores and stuff? We did not get that. My parents would work us hard and we got paid for nothing. So going into high school, it was super exciting because now we could get a what? A job and save and work. And we were desperate for a job. And then all of a sudden, our physics teacher, who lives just minutes from here in Duluth, says, hey guys, I, I, I have some weeds that need to be pulled. And he invited the whole class to come to his property, his ranch, to pull weeds. And he said, and, and he's like, I was like, the whole class? And guess what? When minimum wage was in high school was $6 an hour, $6 an hour, our physics teacher would pay us $10 an hour to pull these weeds in Fallbrook. I'm like, dude, this is a no-brainer. Like, we're going to get a job, we're going to pull these weeds, and we got to his ranch. For those of you guys that have property in Fallbrook, you know Fallbrook weeds are different than suburban weeds. <laughs> right? We pulled up to this ranch, the whole class, carpooling, right? There's weeds that are this tall. Do you guys have those weeds? And here's the thing. The, the, the soil here is so fertile. It is great climate to grow anything. The avocado capital of the world, thank God for avocados. If you don't pull weeds at the what? The roots, guess what happens next week? 
they start growing back. And my physics teacher, he said, you guys, $10 an hour, I want you to be serious when you pull these weeds to pull them at the what? At the roots. Make sure you get the roots. Make sure you get the roots. And so, first couple weeks, the whole class, $10 an hour. I'm like, oh my gosh, like, Doc, this is crazy. Isn't it? We call him Doc. And then the next week, I realized he didn't invite certain people. So, it was from like 30, the invite went from like 30 to like 20. And then it was like the next week, it, went, it dwindled even more. It went from like 20 to like 15, 12. And then over a series of months, it was only me, my brother Paul, and my brother Rick pulling weeds. And we're like, Doc, what happened to the whole class? Where's everybody at? He's like, I've just been watching people pull these weeds, and they're not getting them at the what? At the root. And sometimes we do that with our hearts. Sometimes we do that with the pain and the suffering that we've been through. Sometimes we do that with some trauma that we have been through. Where, yeah, I'm going to work on this a little bit, but, but that, that deep part in my soul, the little bit of that bitterness, that anger, that offense, that's not forgivable. And you know what happens to those roots if you don't pull them? They grow back. And they come back up until you can experience the freedom that God has for you. You got to get to those roots. So it was me and my two brothers pulling these giant promised land sized weeds for years. But it was a valuable lesson. When we were going deep, sometimes you got to spend a lot of time digging and being desperate to get the healing that you need to make sure that those roots never come back. Hurts, traumas, old sins, past failures can come up. And guess what? You know who uses that against you the most? The enemy. Man, he has a field day. When there is a root of anger, when there is a root of lust, when there is a root of bitterness, when there is a root of unforgiveness, just wait. He prowls and he prowls and he prowls and he waits for the opportune time and he says, oh man, that's still there. These roots need to be pulled so your heart can be free. These seeds to bear fruit of love. You can't have fruits of love if you have roots of hate. You can't have fruits of peace there's roots of turmoil. You can't have roots of, uh, fruits of grace in your life if there's roots of unforgiveness. So church this morning, my question is, do you want to be healed? Do you want to be healed? And here's the honest truth. Sometimes people just aren't ready. It's too painful there's shame sometimes involved when you go down that deep. There's condemnation. Sometimes it's just hard. It's hard to dig that deep. And the invalid, Jesus asked the invalid that question, do you want to be made well? And Jesus knew that not everyone who is sick wants to be healed. Church this morning, are you desperate I mean, desperate for this healing. 
my prayer is that God uses us mightily and powerfully this Christmas season to pray for those who need to be healed. Can I get an amen? So I had to decide how this trial, how this divorce, how this separation, how I was going to respond to this. And I had deep pains. I had deep roots. Roots of unforgiveness. And I knew quickly, I I need to uproot this before this grows and this goes deeper. And I said, Jesus, I need you to go there. I need you to go there. Psalm 51, the sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart, O God, you will not despise. Desperation for healing in Mark chapter 5, the woman with the flow of blood for 12 years. She paid physicians. She spent everything that she had just to get the healing. But then Jesus was coming to town. You know what she said? She said, if I could just touch the hem of Jesus's what? If I could just touch his garment, I will be healed. Desperation. Blind man, Bartimaeus, you guys remember that story? Jesus is passing by and he's crying out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Have mercy on me. And you know what the crowd wanted to do to him? What the crowd wanted to do? Try to shut him up. Hey, be quiet. And you know what blind Bartimaeus did in faith? Louder. Son of David, have mercy on me, crying out, desperate for healing. These examples, they wanted to be healed and they wanted to be made well. Now, the hook, here we go, the enemy. Point number two, the hindrances to healing. There are things that can prevent us from receiving the healing that God has for us. You guys remember the story in 2 Kings chapter 5 with Naaman? You guys remember who Naaman was? Successful commander of Syria, a man of of valor. He was uh, esteemed in high favor, but then there's a but. He suffered with this physical condition. What was it? Leprosy. He was a leper. And, And there's this little servant girl. She said, if only Naaman could meet this prophet in Samaria, he would be healed. So the king of Syria sends this letter to the king of Israel. Naaman brings gold and silver and all this other stuff. And then the king is outraged. And then, but the prophet Elijah hears. And he sends a servant to tell Naaman to go wash where? In the Jordan River. How many times? Seven times. And then Naaman, willing or unwilling? No. There are things maybe roots, maybe behaviors, maybe attributes, sometimes that can prevent us from receiving the healing that God has for us. And for Naaman, you know what it was? The Jordan, really? The, aren't there rivers, the, the Farpar, the, the Damascus, the Abana? There are rivers much cleaner and much nicer than these river, this river in Israel. The, the Jordan, for Naaman, it was pride. It was pride. And he walked away in anger. He walked away in pride. And he had this expectation. Why didn't the prophet just, why couldn't he just come out here and wave his hand over my affliction and heal me? He had this expectation of how he was going to be healed. But then the servant says again, 
if a great prophet told you to do it for your healing, wouldn't you not do it? So then Naaman, coming to his senses, where does he go? The Jordan River. And he's healed. The hook that truly hinders us. The enemy doesn't want you to be healed. And you guys, a hook, a hook. You guys go fishing? How many of you guys are fishermen? Like to fish? What's the size of that hook? It's a little tiny hook. You can catch amazing fish. So I told the youth group one time, hey, when I was a youth pastor, hey, your youth pastor caught an alligator with his bare hands. Yeah, right, Pastor Phil, pictures or it didn't happen. So I was in Jackson, Mississippi, and I met the game warden for the state of Mississippi and uh, finished officiating a service, a, uh, a funeral service who, for my friend. He's in heaven now, praise the Lord. And he comes over with his southern accent, and he said, hey, y'all, y'all want to hunt some gator? I'm like, what? Y'all want to hunt some gator? I'm like, what? <laughs> hunt some gator? Yes, I'm in. And so we get into this little tiny boat and we go out hunting gators. And I'm like, what is this? What are we using to hunt gators? You know what we use to hunt gators? The reason why he had to hunt gators is because these gators, they'd go on private property and actually a gator snapped at a girl and killed this girl on a, on her, in her backyard. That's the stuff that happens out there. So they have to control this population of gators and there's this outburst of of gators. So we're out, we're out hunting gators, and you know what he does? He pulls out a fishing pole, and on the other line, do you know what's on the other line? Just a hook. And so, cast the line, he says, put it right there, and I could see his eyes, just red eyes right above the water, and I got him. And we fought what felt like for hours, and it was just minutes, this strong gator and fought and fought, and it felt like my arms were going to fall off just from a tiny hook. And I wore him out, and I wasn't going to quit. I told myself, I'm never going to have this opportunity ever again, and no one's going to believe me if I quit. And so I have this picture to prove to you guys that I caught that gator (laughs) from a hook. And I also brought him here. I got his head taxidermist. His name's... His name's Gator Dan. I called him Dan. Um, but I wanted to share that illustration with you guys. As crazy as a beast as that thing is, as strong as and powerful as that animal is, it's the danger of just a tiny little what? Hook. Just a hook. You guys, don't let Satan hook you. Healing. Freedom. Man, that thing was strong. And sometimes we think that about ourselves. I can handle this pain. I can handle this trauma. I can handle this, and I can do it on my own. Well, guess what? The enemy's crafty too, and he can wear you down. It says in Scripture in James chapter 1, each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desires and enticed. Then, after the desire is conceived, it gives birth to what? Sin. When it is full, full grown, birth gives birth to what? To death. And I just want to thank God for these amazing people that God has put on my heart. And I have a friend um, 
works for, serves at the Dream Center. Have you guys heard of the Dream Center? Amazing ministry. And it's crazy because he sat down and we had lunch and he had a very, like almost to the T, a very similar experience in his first marriage. And he wanted to speak life into me. And I saw where he was at and I, and I, and I, I, I was like, man, I, I can't believe that this is this same guy. He went through all these things that I've been through. And what I saw in my friend is I saw a friend who was, who was driven by mission. He was driven by vision. He was driven by purpose. And then I asked myself, where did I lose my way in the pain and in the suffering? And where I lost my way is I almost took the bait, that hook. You guys hurt on that level, betrayal, trauma, whatever it may be, unforgiveness. And what he said, Brett said this, he said, hey, Phils, I want you to know that's a cheap tactic of the enemy. That's a hook from the enemy to steal you from being the man that God has called you to be. And then he looked me in the eyes and he said, you are not going to bite on that bait anymore. If you're on that hook, get off of it. Can I get an amen? fight to get off of it. And I know you're going to have to dig, but guess what? There's great freedom. There's great healing. There's a great plan and a great purpose for you. God has life for you, and he's going to use the battles that you have been through not only to heal you, but to grow you and make you strong for the kingdom of God. For Naaman, it was pride, but then Naaman turned in humility and got cleansed. But then there's the Pharisees, It's an example of how your heart can be to not even realize that they were so blind towards their own healing. The hooks of the enemy. Don't take that bait. Don't stay on that hook. Other hindrances in healing. A lack of faith. Jesus gave power to the disciples to heal and do a great work in the kingdom. And then all of a sudden, a father brought his little boy who was struggling with, with epilepsy and his brothers, he brought them the boy and he said, why didn't you, did you bring it to the disciples and could the disciples heal that boy, yes or no? Why? Yes, but it also came from a faithless, he said, you faithless generation and unbelieving generation. And then he said, this kind can only come out by prayer and fasting. In contrast, to be full of faith, the centurion coming for the heart and the life of his servant, he said, Lord, only say the words and my servant shall be what? Healed. Only say the words. And there was another woman, the the demon-possessed Canaanite woman, said, Jesus said, it's not fair to give the children's bread to the dogs. And then she replied, even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from the master's table. How are we going to respond? Lack of faith? Or are you going to be full of faith? Point number three. Turn to your neighbor and say, healing can be a process. Turn to your neighbor, try it. Healing can be a process. And we see in Scripture, God can do the miraculous in a moment, right? He can, he can change things. He can 
part the, part the waters of the, of the Red Sea, slay giants. He could do anything in a moment, but does God always work like that? Mm-mm. Do you guys remember the story of the ten lepers who were seeking to be healed? They were seeking to be healed, and, and he said, go and show yourselves to the priests, because it was the priests that could deem them to come back into society. And they weren't healed on the spot. But it says in Scripture, they were healed as they went. As we walk, as we trust, as we believe, as we practice faith, God can heal us in this process. Job, how many chapters of suffering, of hurt, of pain do we see? And sometimes... Healing on the spot is not part of God's will. Remember that story where, where Jesus healed Lazarus? Where Mary and Martha are like, Jesus, come, come. Lazarus, the one whom you love is sick. Did Jesus come right away? Martha's like, what, what's going on? Jesus, if only you were here, Lazarus would still be alive. And then Lazarus died. so that God may be glorified and so that you will believe. Jesus used death to bring new life. And you guys, sometimes he does that with us. Sometimes the things in our life, there's some things in our life that have to die for new life to happen. And I want you to look at the cross. You guys, he did it with his son using death to heal us. So, in wrapping this up, point number four, I can help. My favorite Bible verse on healing, if you could join with me in Mark chapter two, we're gonna read this together, Mark chapter two, verses one through 12. And when he returned to Capernaum, after some days it was reported that he was at home And many were gathered together so that there was no more room, not even at the door. And he was preaching the word to them, and they came to him, bringing to him a what? A paralytic carried by how many men? Four. And when they could not get near him because of the crowd, they removed the roof above him. And when they had made an opening, they let down the bed on which the paralytic lay. And when Jesus saw there, what's that word? Faith. He said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven. Now some of the scribes were sitting there questioning in their hearts, Why does this man speak like that? He is blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? And immediately Jesus, perceiving in his spirit that they thus questioned within themselves, said to them, Why do you question these things in your hearts? Which is easier to say to the paralytic, Your sins are forgiven? Or to say, rise up, take up your bed and walk. But that you may know the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. He said to the paralytic, I say to you, rise, pick up your bed and go home. And he rose immediately, picked up his bed and went out before them all. So that they were all amazed and glorified God saying, we never saw anything like this. Can I get an amen? Man. How many men carried the paralytic? 
How many men brought the paralytic? How many men carried the paralytic? Four. How many men brought the paralytic? It's a group of they. Look at scripture again. Look at this. Verse 3. And who came? They came. Verse 3. Bringing to him a paralytic carried by how many men? Four. I pray that we realize, us as a church, sometimes we can be that immediate response or we can literally carry someone or we're in their lives. But church, Calvary Chapel Fallbrook Servants Church, let us make sure that we are a church of they. Can I get an amen? Praying for the loss and the broken of this community. And even if we might not physically be there, hey, we are here to pray and to seek the Lord for people to receive healing and divine touch from God. In this Christmas season, when you see your friends and your family who do not know Jesus as Savior and Lord, do you guys have some of those? A lot of those? My question to you is, how far are you willing to go for them? These four men and this group of they, did they encounter obstacles in bringing this man to Jesus? Crowds, massive crowds. Wait a minute, there's no more room. We got to carry this man up on the what? Roof? How are we going to let him down? We got we to make a hole. We got to make a hole in the roof. And can you imagine seeing a hole in the roof and this paralyzed man coming down? And you know what Jesus said? He looked up. Look at their faith. Look at their faith. Church, don't quit so easily on the lost. Bring them. You can help. I can help. And Jesus gave these disciples authority to power and power to help and to heal. And you guys, these friends, these four friends, were these friends amazing? Yes or no? Oh man, they love that guy. This group of they, they love that guy. The lost and the broken. How do you see them? A heart of compassion? Or do you see them as a burden? Do not let obstacles stop you this Christmas season from bringing your friends and family to know Jesus Christ. The faith of those men, the faith of our church, I pray that God uses us because we can help. This Thanksgiving this year, I thank God for the caliber of the relationships that I have in my life. Because to be honest, over these past seven years, there were times where I felt paralyzed by what I was going through. And there are people here that are in this church that help carry me. There are people here in this church that help see me through. And I asked my son, Noah James Sabor, at five years old, said, Noah, what are you thankful for this Thanksgiving? And no lie, not even lying, he said, I'm thankful for your church, Dad. And I was like, I have to record this so I could send it to Sebastian and Pastor Richie and Pastor Armando and Ethan. And he said it again. I said, Noah, what are you thankful for? I'm thankful for your church, Dad. 
Guys, let's be the they and know that we can help, that we can serve this beautiful community because the truth is there are so many this Christmas season that do not know what Christmas is truly about, that need healing, that need a touch from God, and they know deep in their souls there's some roots there that need to be uprooted, and deep in their souls they also know that there's got to be something more. Why do I feel paralyzed? Your help matters. Your help matters. Job needed healing. This guy needed healing, but the type of help matters. And I want you guys to know, you can have relationships in your life that want good for you, but you have to make sure that you have the right help, right? Job's friends, what did they do when Job needed healing? They're like, sure, what did you do? What sin did you commit to deserve this suffering? What did you do? Man, is that hurting or helping? (laughs) Yeah. And you guys, you need the right help. I am so thankful. Pastor Armando, my buddy Dave, my brother Paul, and my friend Dan. These are four men I can come to with anything, like Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego. You guys know that story? You can be in the fire of life, and they will go right through it with you, keeping your eyes, your heart, and your mind fixed on Jesus. Do you have the right help in your corner? Men and women of wisdom with the mindset to point you to Jesus, not to condemn you, not to try and figure it out, but to help be there for you when you are paralyzed in the hurt and in the suffering. You know, it's awesome about this story when the paralyzed man got lowered through the roof. These four guys, they wanted to bring him to heal the, 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 the condition that he was in, this paralyzed condition. And did Jesus heal his condition first or no? He healed his heart first. He said, son, your sins are forgiven. And he goes to the deepest parts of his inward being, way past the, the, the paralyzed stuff, the way past the body parts, and he went to his heart first, and he said, you are forgiven. And when Jesus did this to the paralyzed man, you know what I love about Christmas is because this is what Jesus did for us when he came to this earth. He came to this earth in a manger, to die, to set us free, to forgive us, to heal and make us well. So in closing, Psalm 34, 18, the Lord is near to those who are brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. The healing is for God's glory in your life and for God to make you strong. And in this life, you are promised trials and tribulations And I pray, being on this side, the healing side, you can look at the scars and you remember the hurt and you remember the abuse and the pain, but more above all that, I pray that when you see the scars in your life and those wounds that are are now healed, that those wounds will remind you of God's faithfulness, that he will see you through, that he will never leave you nor forsake you, and that he's using it for you, to grow you, to mold you, to shape you, to be more like Christ. Christmas.
He did not come for the well, but he came for the sick. And it was answered. Hundreds of years of silence. And then the Messiah comes. So, with all eyes closed, all heads bowed as we close out this message together, I ask you, where are you at this morning? In leading up to Christmas, we were desperate, desperate for a Savior in our sins. We were hooked, the infirmities of sin. The process in which God was going to do that was the cross. And more importantly, this Christmas, we can help the lost. Isaiah chapter 53, verse 5, it says, But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our sins. The chastisement for our peace was upon him. And by his stripes, we are healed. Looking in today, how are you? Are you a two out of 10? Do you need a touch from God? And more importantly, where are you looking for healing? People try and go to the things of this world. They try and go to these different pools of Bethesda, spending money on all types of things to get healing. For only Jesus can heal. Are you willing to be healed? Are you willing to dig deep into the dark places of your soul where that hurt did happen, where that trauma did happen, where that person did wrong you? Are you going to dig and let God set you free? Maybe this Christmas season, you're celebrating healing. Maybe God has done an amazing work in your life like he has mine and used it for good. And now you can rejoice and you can thank God that you have this beautiful blessing of hope, of peace, of love, of joy this Christmas season because you've seen God at work in your life and you can look at these scars and say, my God was faithful in the valley. And in healing those 10 lepers, do you know how many turned back to say thank you? Just one. Maybe God has done a great work in your life and you forgot to thank him. Thank him for seeing you through. In James chapter 5, it says, Is anyone among you in trouble? Let them pray. Is anyone happy? Let them sing songs of praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let them call the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise them up. If they have sinned, they will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to one another so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and availeth much. As we prepare our hearts for communion, Lord Jesus, we come before you and we ask for healing that can only come from you. And Lord, we have faith that you can do it. We know that you can do it.